We're found to be holy in Christ, Christ who's in us. And then we find that Christ who's in us, who's holy, we are deemed justified as holy. But then he does his sanctifying work of making us holy. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning, church. That's Lawn Chair Church that we'll be having today at 11.05, as you heard from Brother Sean just a moment ago. And as we dig in today, I dig in also with a heavy heart like the rest of our nation. 2020 will be a year that we will remember a host of things, a year like any other. A virus that caused us to shelter at home. Uh, that continues to be a concern for uh, the whole world. And yet now we see this weekend and this last week, we see the more dangerous virus that exists in the heart of man. And that is the virus of sin, that eternal virus that will cost us our eternity if we live in sin instead of in Christ. And we can see what God's creation that has been marred by sin looks like as we see prejudice, in our streets as we see rage and anger it's a critical time in the life of our nation and I want us to spend some time this morning praying for our nation uh, while I speak out uh, to these evils as we see it even in scripture today and God's answer to these evils none of us can relate to what many in our nation are facing on the other end of racism brutality it's important that we also understand that we fight against the right enemy that we don't allow the enemy of our souls, for the Bible says our battle's not with flesh and blood. And yet, if you were to watch the news, you would find that's exactly what's happening. We are fighting brother against brother, sister against sister. And while we may want to make it an issue of this realm, it is a greater issue of a greater realm. And it's important that we understand Satan would love to do everything he could to kill, steal, and destroy. And so let's fight against that enemy this morning together. Would you join me? As we pray for our nation, churches all over this country and really around the world are praying this day for revival and for light to shine in darkness. Let's do that together. Father, we join our hearts today with your heart. And Lord, I know that your heart aches as you see the hurt in our world, the hurt in our nation. As we see your creation fighting against one another, the brutality that exists in this day is heartbreaking not just to your heart but also to ours and lord we know that you have taught us that our battle isn't with flesh and blood although we have a tendency to go there but that the the enemy of our soul satan loves to divide he loves to destroy he loves to prejudice he loves to create brutal responses and reactions and actions he loves to see uh, division and strife and chaos God, today we pray that you would be honored and you would be magnified, our creator, our Lord, our sustainer. And Lord, that somehow you would work all this madness together for your good, that we would wake up and realize that we are fighting the wrong enemy and we are fighting in the wrong dimension. That Father, all things are eternal. And Lord, may we have that perspective today. Teach us from your word how we can have victory in a world of chaos. And we'll be quick to give you all praise, all glory, and honor, for we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, last week we studied what Paul taught about the challenges of our Christianity. 
that each and every one of us, even after we become a new creature in Christ, have a struggle that happens internally. That we struggle with doing the right things, and we also struggle wanting to do the wrong things. And some have interpreted that as hypocrisy, that a Christian shouldn't have those struggles. And, and the Apostle Paul actually interprets that as, no, that is our reality. The reality of a spiritual tug of war that happens inside of us. You see, hypocrisy is claiming to be one thing when in reality you're something else. And what Paul is saying here and being very transparent under inspiration of the Holy Spirit is, yes, we all have struggles, but certainly Christians have a new struggle. A struggle still with the flesh that we've always had, but now this struggle to also do the right things because now the Spirit of Christ lives within us. And so as we dig into this, we find that the problem with most Christians in their Christianity is they don't know how to experience God's sanctification. They've experienced God in salvation, but they're not experiencing God in their sanctification. So I'll give you the analogy of a baseball diamond. You probably don't remember what baseball is. We should be in baseball season now, but because of the virus, we still don't have baseball either. Uh, but I'll use the baseball diamond as a picture. If you would picture first base, you would see the green area there, or that yellow green. That would be a, a reality that first base for Christians is when we experience justification, that we come to understand that our sin separates us from God, and we look to God for forgiveness, our Redeemer, and He purchases us, purchases us out of our sin, He redeems us, and we become a child of God in justification. Second base now, we move into that second phase of our Christian walk, and that's sanctification. That's God completing the work that he began in us. And we're going to see what sanctification is all about in a moment. Third base would be multiplication, that we are then sharing with the world what God has done internally is now a move externally, that we are to make disciples, that we are to multiply in all the earth. Well, home base is when we leave this earth, this dimension, take our last breath, and it's glorification. It's when he returns us back to our original design without sin, in the presence of a holy God and a holy place called heaven. But until then, we are in this phase called sanctification. That word in the Greek literally means to make holy. We're found to be holy in Christ, Christ who's in us, and then we find that Christ who's in us, who's holy, we are deemed justified as holy, but then he does his sanctifying work of making us holy. That means that there are parts of us that need to be, I'm going to create a term here, holified, that we are being conformed and transformed into his image. The picture is of a sculptor who's taken a raw piece of marble and begins to chisel away everything that doesn't belong Everything that doesn't fit that image of what he's creating, all of that gets chipped away until you finally have that masterpiece, that image that the sculptor's creating. You and I are that raw piece of clay, that raw piece of marble. The Lord has saved us, he has saved us, and he is working out that salvation through sanctification as he conforms us into his perfect image. Well, the problem for us is it's not what we understand it to be from what is taught in Scripture. We think we are to do the chiseling. We are to perfect ourselves, and we're to try harder and work harder. And kind of reminds me of a time I was sitting at a restaurant, and 
it was this old restaurant back in Tulsa and it had this big old huge heavy glass door. It took all of me just to get the door open. And I remember it was a favorite restaurant place, breakfast place on Saturdays. And I was sitting in there and I watched a little boy approach the door. And I watched his dad right there in step with him. And that little boy kept yanking on that door and yanking on that door. And I just watched the father just let him do it. I watched him just sit there and wear that little boy out until finally what seemed like an hour, I'm sure it was just a couple of minutes, the father finally stepped in when the little boy turned exhausted and worn out. He couldn't get through that door. He couldn't open it up as hard as he tried. And that father reached and opened the door and they were able to come in as father and son and experience a great breakfast. It reminded me that that's a reality of how we approach life. We're tugging and we're trying harder than ever before. And that was me the first two years of my Christianity. I was tugging and I was trying and I told God I won't do this and I'll start doing that. I made all these deals with God trying to sanctify myself but I had to come to the same realization that little boy. I couldn't do it. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the wherewithal. I had to turn to my father. And until I did that, I never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Even though I was saved, I wasn't walking in the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit that lives within me. The Apostle Paul is going to try to teach us that truth today. And if you have ever tuned in, please listen in this morning. Please dig into the scripture and let the scripture come alive in you because this is your only hope to have victory over sin. Let's take a look at it. Go to Romans chapter 7. Take a look at verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? It's a great question. Paul was struggling with that. He's saying, man, when I look inside of me, when I look at who I am, just my natural man, I am wretched. There is nothing good in me. He said that earlier in chapter 7. Nothing good. So why do we keep trying to be good in our own strength? Paul is showing the, the futility of that thinking, the, 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 that it doesn't even make any sense. So where will we get our freedom? Verse 25. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You need to underline that and you need to mark it. He came to understand that his freedom didn't come from trying to live for God. His freedom came from God through Jesus Christ. And where is Jesus? He now lives in me. That is for the believer. Jesus, who resurrected from the dead, yes, he lives and, and reigns on his throne in heaven, but he also resides the power of the Spirit of Christ in me. He goes on to say, So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, here he speaks of knowing the right thing to do. He talks about his brain has all the right information. And he understands the law has clearly delineated the boundaries of what is holy and what is not. He says, I understand then in my mind I'm serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. Now he speaks of, while I know the right thing to do, I find my flesh wants to do the wrong thing. And he calls it, interesting enough, write down this phrase, the law of sin. When I first saw that, this was probably the, the pivot point in me understanding how to have victory over sin versus me trying to conquer my sin. If you don't understand what the law of sin is, you'll never understand what God's answer is for this battle that wages in our soul. So now, Paul realized he was wretched. That word wretched in the Greek literally means worn out from exhaustion. 
It means that I'm just wretched. There's nothing good. There's nothing inherent. There's nothing uh, that is excellent here. And, and, and he had tried and tried and tried and tried and was exhausted and worn out. And now he comes to understanding, I am nothing but wretched. But then he comes to understand the glory of who Jesus is. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This verse is where we finally take a turn from the first seven chapters where Paul has been showing how wretched we really are. Wretched in our sin, wretched in our natural man, unrighteous, whether we are religious or non-religious, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But now we get to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and we see the culmination. We come to the mountaintop and see what God has done for us. Look at Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Circle that, mark it down, and every day you wake up this week, quote that reality. There is no condemnation for me because I am in Christ Jesus. Have you ever seen a condemned building? A condemned building is a building that has been labeled as that which is unsafe to inhabit. And that's really who we were outside of Christ. I was condemned. Uh, the, the Spirit of God could not inhabit me because I was under the realm of sin. That's unholy, and that is the contrary to that which is holy. But through Christ Jesus, this condemned building, if you will, this condemned temple, became a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. I am no longer condemned because I am in Christ Jesus. Not because I'm preaching in a church, not because I'm a member of a Baptist church, not because of anything I've done or could do, it's all because I have placed my faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Well, it's very easy to feel condemned, wretched, guilty, and we struggle with those emotions and we struggle with those feelings because the God of our souls loves to bring a spirit of condemnation on us. He loves to convince us that we are guilty and we are condemned. The Apostle Paul here reminds us that if we are in Christ, that guilt has already been paid for. The price of what we have done, yes, we were guilty in sin, but Christ became our substitute and he paid for what we had done. He paid the guilt offering by taking our place. And now because of that payment and because I'm in Christ, I now am a bondservant, bound to him forever, called to a life of sanctification and being made holy into his perfect, glorious image. And on the other hand, if I'm outside of Jesus, if I'm maybe even a religious person, but I'm not in Christ and Christ is not in me, I am condemned, condemned in my sin. But turn over, hold your place there in Romans Let's see this truth unpacked in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. There's more to being in Christ than just going to heaven. Being Christ is Christ in us, working out his power for his good pleasure. But if we don't see these truths, what we try to do is we try to work out from our natural man and try to please a supernatural God. And that's why it doesn't work, because it's still in our own strength, in our own natural realm. Verse 12. Paul taught this to the believers at Philippi when he said, So then, my beloved, he's speaking to Christians, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when you look at that, you say, uh-oh, that's some heavy stuff. Uh, 
I need to work out my salvation? Bill, that seems contrary to what you've been saying. In other words, I'm supposed to work hard and, and I'm supposed to work out my salvation? And while he says that terminology here, it's not what we understand if we don't see the whole context. Look at the very next verse. Now you see the context of how we work out our salvation, how sanctification takes place. Look at verse 13. He doesn't go on to say, for you do this for God. He says in verse 13, for it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When I first saw this, I thought, man, I've been doing it wrong. I've been trying so hard and trying to do the right thing, but I was doing it the wrong way and getting the wrong result. And Maybe you can relate to that today. Maybe you've been trying to do the right thing. You want to live for God and you don't want to struggle with that addiction or that attitude or this reality, the struggle of doing the wrong things and not doing the right things. And you've been trying really, really hard and you're just exhausted. That's a wretched, wretched experience. Paul says, no, working out your salvation is not you working for God. It's you understanding that, that it's God working in you. It's that transformative work of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power of God alive in you, transforming you moment by moment and day by day. I finally came to the realization that my need was not to try harder. My need was to release all and allow God to do what only God can do, to let God work in me and to let God live through me. After all, it's not the fruit of Bill Hulse. It's the fruit of the Spirit that is love and peace and patience and gentleness, kindness and self-control. Those things don't come naturally. They come as the fruit of the supernatural God that lives in me. If I let him work, and if I let him work according to his good pleasure. So how do we do that? How do we let the words of Scripture become our reality? Well, go back to Romans now, Romans chapter 8. And look at verse 2. He begins to unpack this reality. Look at it. Romans 8, verse 2. Remember earlier he taught that our problem was the law of sin. He uses that unique phrase. He just doesn't say generic sin, overall global sin. He says the law of sin. We're going to come back to that. Because in Romans 8, 2 he says, here's your answer. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Notice he didn't say your hard works, your desire, your will to be glorifying to me sets you free. He says, no, you need to understand the law of the spirit, which is life in Christ Jesus. It's the law of the Spirit that has set us free. In Romans 7, it was our problem, the law of sin. Now in Romans chapter 8, we have the answer. It is the law of the Spirit. I think it's interesting that today, as I'm preaching this message, as we find ourselves in Romans chapter 8, just happens to be Pentecost Sunday. It happens to be that time of the year that we celebrate Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came as was promised. You remember Jesus told his disciples that they were to go and wait and they waited in an upper room, and they waited, and they waited. And then Jesus said, I promise I will send you your advantage, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. You see, apart from the Holy Spirit, we have no advantage. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't conquer sin. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't conquer evil, prejudice, brutality, 
the things that we see in our world today can only be conquered not by us trying harder, but by the Holy Spirit coming alive in us. Today on Pentecost Sunday, we need to be reminded that every day is Pentecost. Every day is a day we wake up in the Holy Spirit, Christ working in us, and that's what sets us free, and that's what brings us victory. Now think about what Paul was teaching here. He says, on one hand, we have a problem. We have the law of sin. And yet on another hand, realize your victory, we have the law of the Spirit. We have two laws at work. The question is, which law will you live under? Let me bring it in a practical way. When you think of laws, one of the first laws that comes to mind is the law of gravity. It's amazing to me that we as a nation can send astronauts into space, as we saw yesterday, and we can see the miracle of that. And It's mind-boggling that a rocket like that can, can be programmed and engineered in such a way that we can literally send men into space. And yet on the very same day, we look into the streets of our nation and we see that we can't control the evil of hearts. It's amazing to me the reality of our simple uh, creation apart from Christ. Well, now he says there is a reality. You don't have to live in that sin nature. You don't have to live in evil. You don't have to live in a natural realm. You can be set free. You can know victory but it comes through the law of the Spirit. So let's, oppose, let's look at these two laws in a physical example. The law of gravity, it makes no sense to me that an airplane, look at this picture, and you see this 747 that weighs 735,000 pounds. How is it able to fly when I can't even jump 12 inches off the ground without returning back to ground? Well, it's the law of gravity. And yet we have learned through the laws of science that if you bring in a different law, if another law is applied, it can override a different law. If you understand the three laws of motion, Newton's three laws of motion, we come to understand how something that weighs 735,000 pounds can do what seems to be impossible, but it becomes possible. You see, the law of gravity is always at work. It's always pulling. And while that plane is defying that gravity, it still has that pull, but gravity does not own it. It is set free from the gravity. Well, we can come off that picture, and I'll tell you the example, and you've heard me use it before. Literally in California, there is the documentation of a man who decided he was sick of gravity, and he was going to attach weather balloons to his lawn chair, he was going to go up with his BB gun, and he was going to ride and have his own hot air balloon and experience Los Angeles like he'd never experienced it before. Well, he was tethered to the ground. He attached those weather balloons. He cut those cords that were holding him down, and that balloon shot up into the sky. What he was not prepared for was what would happen next. He shot up to 11,000, some say maybe 15,000 feet in the air. Can you imagine that moment and that experience? Here he was deciding, I'm not going to let gravity have a hold on me. And he was set free. Well, that's a silly example of the reality that does exist for those who are in Christ. We don't have to be held down and, and under the addiction of sin, the law of sin owning us and holding us down. 
that we can actually rise above and we can be set free from the power of sin, but it all comes through understanding the law of the Spirit. What is that? Let's go back to Romans. Let's see, let's see Paul's teaching. Look at verse 3. Sad thing is there are so many Christians sitting in their pew or their chair. They're in Christ. They've been set free from the penalty of sin, but they've not been set free from the tug of sin, from the law of sin. And while they may, may be heaven-bound, here on earth they experience a living hell. The hell of doing the wrong things and not doing the right things. And Paul wants you to know how to be free. Look at verse 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Again, he reminds us we can't do it, only God can. God did it. How did God do it? How did God solve the problem? He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Here in verse 3, we're reminded that trying to be godly in the flesh doesn't work. Trying to be godly even in the law, doing spiritual things, the do's and don'ts uh, don't work. Trying to keep the law and trying to be a good person. We have to keep remembering we can't fix it, only God can. We have to get us out of the equation and look to Jesus, if you will, to be our victory. Look at verse 4. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Here he begins to transition and shows us a new way of walking, a new way of experiencing life. And we can be saved, we can know the Jesus of salvation, but if we keep walking in our own natural state and in our flesh, we will still sin. But he says here, now that you're in Christ, you walk differently. We walk in the Spirit, verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Paul says we have to be transformed in the renewing of our mind. Not thinking like we used to think and not living in our own strength and thinking that's how you live but taking on the mind of Christ and taking on the mindset that I am a child of God and I am the temple of the Holy Spirit and I am filled with his living power and I can have victory today as I set my minds on things above, my mind on things above, not the things of this earth. Verse 8, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. And I guess that begs the question, are we in the Spirit? Are you in the Spirit right now, or do you find yourself in the flesh? As I look at people trying to wrestle with the realities of prejudice, the realities of brutality, uh, injustice, I understand the frustration to some degree. I, I know that there is this reaction that's needing to be expressed, but if we're not careful, we can do that in the flesh and not in the Spirit. And not just in what we see going on in our nation right now in Minneapolis and across the cities of this country, but in our own hearts and our daily lives. We either choose to walk and submit to the flesh or submit to the Spirit. And if you're not in the Spirit right now, stop and just say, Lord, forgive me. God, forgive me for walking in my flesh right now. God, 
Fill me with your spirit, Lord. I submit to you in this moment. And God, let the fruit of the spirit be the fruit of me today. May I be peaceful. May I be gentle. May I be kind. May I experience self-control. Lord, may that happen not because I'm trying to be godly, but because I experience you, the holy God, in me. Take a look at what he goes on to say. For if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Just because you were baptized doesn't mean you belong to God. Just because you went to Falls Creek doesn't mean you belong to God. Just because you might have your name on a roll at a church does not mean you belong to God. What matters is, has there been a time that you've submitted your sinful, wretched life to a holy God? Has there been a moment where you have declared... There is nothing good in me, and Lord, I'm asking you, holy God, to come live in me. And in that moment, while we may not be able to see it with our physical eyes, we can experience it in our heart, for it's with the heart we believe, it's with the heart we surrender, and we give all to Christ, and Christ comes to live in you. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, Yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Verse 14. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power you can know every single day that allows you not to live in the deadness of your flesh but to live a new life in Christ. Verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. I I don't have victory because I try harder today and my desire is to live for God. My whole reality is I have to come to understand I just need to let God live in me and if a holy God is living in me and if I'm walking by the power of his holy spirit I will not sin not because I did it but because I allowed Christ to do it in me that's your victory and that's the only hope you have just like an airplane has to look to a different law to defy the law of gravity I must look to a different law the law of the spirit which has set me free Has he set you free? He can right now. He can in this moment if you'll let him. Let's pray together. And as we pray, there are two two people in the audience today. There are those who are in Christ and those who are in their sin. There are those who are under the law of sin and there are those who have been set free by the law of the Spirit. Which category are you? If you're outside of Christ today, if I could, I would beg you to come to Jesus. And as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and drawing you, I pray in this moment you would find salvation, that you would finally surrender and say, God, I need you to live in me. I repent of my sin, and I invite you into my life. Lord, I surrender, and I give you all. That's called salvation. And the Bible says if you'll call on his name, right in this moment you could be saved. And so if that's you and you just prayed, Or perhaps you need to understand more. You can reach out to our online pastor. 
Right now in the chat box, you can say, I want to know more, or I nailed this down, and I prayed to ask Christ, and he will minister to you in this moment. If you have more questions, and maybe you're viewing this at a later date in our archives, just email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. Ministry at pcbc.tv. Tell us about your struggle. Tell us about your questions. And we'd love to minister to you from his word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet I want to speak to another group of people this morning, those who know Christ in salvation, but you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit in your sanctification. I want to really encourage you in this moment that you would pray as well and that you would surrender, not, not for salvation, you're already saved, but to surrender and say, God, I don't want to live in my flesh. I don't want to live in my natural man. Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit every moment of every day. Right now, Lord, fill me with your spirit. While the Spirit dwells in you, that doesn't mean He fills you. You have to submit to that throughout the day. And right now, maybe that's your prayers. Lord, I submit. And Lord, I surrender. And God, may you live and may you work in me to do your good pleasure. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's your victory. And today, we have victory in Jesus. Let's live out that victory in a world that is surrendering to chaos and agony and pain and prejudice and brutality and all the evil things that we see the enemy perpetrating on people's hearts. May we live in that victory and take that victory to people who need it as well. Until then, be praying for your city, be praying for your nation, and be praying for this world. Until we can gather again together, let's keep letting the Spirit of God alive in us touch the lives of those we minister to on a daily basis. God loves you and so do we. We'll see you next week in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.